Amen. That was so good. Thank you. That was like the theme song for our church because our desire is to be flourishing here together. So I kind of picture that like in a movie, you know, the pre-credits rolling and like there's scenes of us and it's really cool. I'm going to borrow this from it. That's okay. Good morning, everybody. So glad you're here. Oh, thanks. No, I'm good. I got, I'm good. I got mine. Thank you. Um, so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Simon. Pastor Joy was just here a second ago. Pastor Lars, not here. He is at New Community Church in the city uh, preaching this morning and excited to bring a word uh, to them and encourage our partnership. I believe their pastor will be visiting us soon, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, we have been working, though, as a church through the book of Hebrews, which I tell you is such a great book. It's got such richness to it and faith, and we've been talking about it in terms of uh, greater than, greater than, and especially focused on Jesus as greater than, greater than because he is the Son of God, one and only Son of God, Greater than because he is the great high priest, greater than any other priest. Greater than because he is the absolute only and final sacrifice uh, for, to pay for our sins and to bring us into the kingdom of God. We, he is greater than because he is the author, I love this title, the author and perfecter of our story of faith. He's greater than, and we're going to hear this today, because he is the good shepherd. So I got a word for you this morning, and I want to open up with this word. Now, I got to tell you, normally, this is a passage you would hear at the end of the service, because it's a benediction, a final blessing, because it's at the end of the book, too. But what often the authors do with these benedictions, these final blessings, is encompass what they've been trying to communicate to the letter, and they sort of ball it up and like, okay, if you really need it, here it is in form of a blessing. So this blessing... We're going to do it, we're going to read it together at the beginning, but it's the conclusion of Hebrews and highlights some of the major themes of Hebrews and imparts it upon us as blessing. Are you ready to receive that? Yes. Okay, please stand for this reading from God's Word. Take another sip. Here's our reading from this morning from Hebrews chapter 13, this benediction, this blessing, verse 20 and 21. Now, my friends, may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead... Our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, make you complete in everything good so that you may do his will, working among us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever Amen. Father, take this word this morning and plant it deep into our hearts. Father, I do pray that if anything sticks in our hearts this morning, it would not be my, my words, that it would be your word. Help us, God, to stand under that blessing and receive it and to leave here in the wake of it, renewed and rejoicing, we pray in Jesus' name. And God bless Pastor Lars as he's serving at a, a sister community. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you. So today we're talking about Jesus, the great Shepherd, the great shepherd, which is a title given to him here. Uh, he actually refers to himself as a shepherd earlier. Shepherd motif is throughout scripture, but this is one of those places in Hebrews where it's like they make up something. God of peace was another one. We'll explore that in a second. But before we, I want to dig back into that word and make sure you understand what it says and then talk more about what it means that Jesus is the great shepherd and how do we see that. I want to make an announcement to you. We've got more announcements to come at the end of the service, but this is a big one. I announced last Sunday at High League a summer mission experience to Guatemala, and I'm so excited about this. Now, the sweet spot of this trip is going to be high school families. Whether you're part of High League 
or you uh, do other ministry, but you're in high school, this is a place for you. Now, we can certainly bring others. I do want this to be multi-generational, and so does our partners, Merge Ministries. I'm so excited about this mission experience. I've been there before. Pazicia, Guatemala, and they're also adding uh, Chimaltenango, if you've never been there. Great coffee, um, awesome people. There's a rich history to the, to the place. Um, it's got a, a, a really deep Mayan uh, heritage, and you're going to see ruins, and we're going to explore all that. And part of that is in my blood, so I get really excited when I go back there. But so this is for anybody that's interested in serving. If you want to really sense God's presence and Him using you, this is a great opportunity. We're going to be serving at after-school programs with kids, helping to uh, even teach uh, language and play and have a great great time. There'll be some sports outreaches, including like soccer camp and soccer tournaments, as well as some some uh, maybe light construction. Well, I call it light, but that's I'm, not, I'm kidding. It's not light. Um, visitations with the poor, a building a partnership with the church. I've been here before, um, and so uh, that was a time I was really thinking a lot of myself. Um, but I, I've, I've been there. I've walked the streets. I've, I've hung out. Uh, I'm so excited to go back. And if you do feel a call to come, please talk to me. If you feel a call to send your teenage children, I promise I will keep them safe, okay? Um, I'm so excited about this trip, though. Please see me if you're interested in serving in this mission experience in Guatemala. Uh, it's going to be so, so great. I was there uh, 2017, took my older two boys, and we just had a, a rich experience. Going back is going to feel like going home. Uh, one thing that's really cool about Merge uh, Ministries that we, we serve through the Covenant is we're not going to stay in some bougie hotel. They arrange for us to stay in the homes of church members there, and so you really get an immersive experience of being with the culture uh, in fact, the family that I stayed with said, you know, look, Simon, you could come back and knock on our door in 20 years from now. We're going to be here. We're going to open the door. We're going to let you in. And it's, it's not been that long. I'm so excited to go back and visit the Choi family. So pray about that. I'll tell you more in, as uh, the months come through. But there is one kind of saddish thing about, uh, you know, traveling in Central America and especially small town. It's, a, it's, it's an agricultural town. It's a wonderful community. But there's a lot of dogs and I don't know if they're, they're wild. I know a couple of times I've had to walk early for like a meeting or, you know, to get ahead of the group. And so I'd come early or I'd be home late because we would do some visits at the church and stuff. And I'd walk past these packs of dogs and I'm like, I just, I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know if they belong to someone. They're kind of packed together in the streets. And, you know, like this one, I was like walking very carefully by because, you know, I was like, I don't know. Are they going to turn on me? They seem like they're okay. Various looking dogs. Some of them are really good looking dogs, I guess. And some of them look like they really could use some care. I don't know if you're like me. And, you know, again, I'm not a super dog lover. Um, sorry, did I lose a bunch of you just now? <laughs> like, honey, start the car. He doesn't like dogs. No, I like dogs. Not all dogs. Some dogs. Anyway. <laughs> but not dogs on the street because you're like, who's caring for them? You see, dogs are really at their best, as you know. How many of you are dog lovers? Put them up high. Yeah, see, okay, good, good amount of dog lovers, yeah. Dogs, as you know, are really at their best when they're cared for, when they belong to someone, you know. Dogs are at their best when they're, when they're cared for, when they're fed well, when they're, when they're brushed and loved and even have the safe place to stay, and even when they're trained, right, when a dog is trained or has purpose. And, you know, maybe you have a dog that, you know, basically is just trained to, to, to love, or maybe your dog is like your, your, your alarm, you know, system in your house. Like, it's great when a dog has a leader and a purpose. And so it's, of course, best when a dog is, is loved. I mean, that's really what, you, what a dog is, is at its best. 
is when a dog has someone in its life that loves them. It's my daughter, Sabrina. She is a dog lover. We don't have a dog. She loves other people's dogs. So, but just a dog is really at its best when it, is, it belongs to someone it is loved. And I believe this is this similar sense of compassion that we might feel when we look at dogs. We're like, I don't know if they belong to anyone. They don't look cared for. They don't look loved. I think this was a similar state of compassion that Jesus had. Dogs meant something else in, in their culture, you know, 2,000 years ago. But, but sheep, when he looked upon people and they were lost, I think he had that same sense of compassion, is what I'm making that parallel, when Jesus saw the crowds in Matthew chapter 9, it says he had compassion. He was moved. He ached for them uh, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He looked at the people and he saw, he was moved with compassion because they didn't look like anyone was caring for them. No one was providing for them. They didn't belong to anyone. They weren't loved. They weren't nurtured. They weren't provided for. They weren't uh, sheltered. They were like sheep without someone who cares for them. That's how he felt looking upon the people. And so this morning, we go back to that title of Jesus as the great shepherd. And we have to begin with that sense of compassion that Jesus had when he felt that. And then ask, how is he the great shepherd? And how does he desire to not only be just the great shepherd in general, but really our and your and my great shepherd? Greater than anyone else we could ever have leading us, by the way. That's why he's greater than, the great shepherd, because he's greater than anything else we might have leading ourselves, including ourselves. Because one thing that we are as a culture is we're very independently minded. I know what's good for me. I can smell a good deal. I know when things are right. I can discern what is true and what is good for me. And then we tend to be like dogs that kind of pack up in the streets and go about our way and kind of follow the rule of life. And Jesus said, no, 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 I really want you to be one of my sheep and let me be your great shepherd. We tend to think of ourselves maybe being independent, but there are other voices out there that want to and shepherd us. And Jesus said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm greater than that. The word is saying Jesus is greater than that. He really wants to be our great shepherd. So before we unpack that metaphor, though, I want to go back to the text because, again, I can talk about great shepherd. We will. But I always want you to be able to have in your mind and your heart this passage because it's such a great blessing. And, and to me, honestly, then you can open up the word anytime in Hebrews 13 and look at it and go, okay, I kind of know what's going on here, which is a gift. So back to Hebrews 13. Let me just unpack this text and show you what it's saying because, Again, as I mentioned, this final blessing is encompassing a major theme that the writer has been inspired by the Holy Spirit to communicate to the church. And it's this idea that we're, we're different because of faith. We're made holy, and we ought to live in and pursue that holiness, that separateness. And it's, it's, so it's encompassing that and used in this conclusion of the book where he's imparting this blessing. It's an invitation to holiness. Holiness is given to us by the gospel. Holiness would be the result and the responsibility of having faith in Christ. And you see that here in this passage as he begins, or she, whoever the author was, says now, encompassing everything that I just wrote, 
May the God of peace, which by the way is a unique title given to God here. May the God of peace. What does that mean that he's the God of peace? It means he's the God who desires unity, functioning unity among all of creation. Peace is not just no bad things are happening, the absence of conflict. Peace is much broader than that. Peace comes when everything is functioning in the way that it should, and in this case, to the glory of God. When you have those rare moments in an organization or those rare moments in a family where it feels like everybody's functioning together, you know, maybe you'll have that at Thanksgiving when everybody participates in bringing the meal or when everyone participates in setting up or even cleaning up the meal together. And you're like, oh, this is all working. Everybody's doing something. That's when you might experience the gift of peace. God of peace is one who desires for peace, who's working for peace, that functioning unity, that sense of family or working unity. The God of peace, who, it was him, who brought back from the dead Jesus, who had died for our sins, was raised by the power of God, same power, by the way, that's at work in you when we give ourselves over to Christ, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, who, now he's talking about Jesus, who is the great shepherd of the sheep. So God of peace brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. He himself is the great shepherd of the sheep. Again, we're going to unpack this idea of him being the great shepherd. Who are the sheep? Us, yeah, you, me, anyone who has said yes to Jesus being our shepherd, he is not only our shepherd, he's the great shepherd of all the sheep. He is the great shepherd of all sheep. And now it goes back to be the God of peace through the washing of blood, okay? Now may the God of peace by the, by the washing of blood, the blood of the eternal covenant, what is the result of being washed in the blood of the eternal covenant? We would be made complete, holy, separate, whole. That's what it means to be made complete. By the blood of the eternal covenant, by Jesus' blood shed, by the way, he didn't just stay dead, though he was raised by the power of God. Because of that blood, we are now made complete. May he make us complete, whole and holy, in everything that is good. What would be the impact of that? That we would be working so we may do his will. We're complete by his blood shed and everything that is good. Well, what is the impact of that? That we would want to do God's will. Now, by the way, we just prayed that and we just prayed that every week. May your will be done here on earth, here in me, as it is in heaven. Let me function as according to your will, God, and thereby participating in peace. So that we may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight. See, when the church, when the believers, when the sheep all work together, function as a family unit to the glory of God, that is pleasing in his sight. Last week, we talked about this great passage. I love Hebrews 12, where it says, Jesus, looking to him, author and perfecter of our faith, for the sake of the joy that was set before him, he was able to endure the cross, despise the shame, and has taken the right seat of the Father. What was the joy that was set before him, that he was able to endure the cross and all that, uh, all that suffering? That, peace, sown among the people. Jesus saw a vision 
where all of God's people functioned together for the glory of God, and that was such a compelling joy that he was able to endure the cross and despise the shame and is there now seated at the right hand of the Father. He saw you, and he saw me, complete and working and functioning together in the family of the church to his glory, and it was so beautiful, it was so great, that he was able to endure the cross and is there at the right hand of the Father, which is why... All this is done through Jesus Christ. And to him, by the way, be blessing and glory and honor forever and ever. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful blessing. And again, this is a blessing that in part summarizes the book of Hebrews, which is really an appeal to holiness. If you ever tried to read the book of Hebrews, you're like, ah, oh, man, I don't get it. It's got a lot of, you know, kind of old uh, you know, Jewish references and stuff. Try putting on that lens of holiness, a call to communal holiness, and read it again, and you'll see it actually starts to come alive. Because that is a theme that is throughout the book, whether he's saying, hey, don't neglect the, fel- uh, the assembly or, or, or hold on to the whole word of God. It's awesome. Or uh, drop the sin and endure the race that's in front of you, keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus. It's always this appeal towards communal, familial holiness. Even in Hebrews 12, when he says, pursue peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see God. It means participate with the Spirit by the Word in the wake of what Jesus has done and therefore find peace and be holy as he's made you holy. Now, if you're still hanging in there with me, you you can see why I love Hebrews. It is such a masterful work that God has given us. And I, I sometimes this morning even got the chills as I was reading it in preparation for this morning and just thinking, man, believers for more than 2,000 years have sat at the feet of that work and been stirred and inspired to pursue holiness in their communities for the glory of God. And we get the same privilege, that same invitation. It's really great. Okay, back to the great shepherd thing. It's a meme or a motif that is woven throughout Scripture that obviously is, is connected into the, to the Hebrew uh, blessing there, the blessing at the end of Hebrews. You know, many of us probably you know, might hold uh, Psalm 23 as a favorite text, that the Lord is my shepherd, and therefore I shall not want. Or how about when Jesus, later in, in, in John chapter 10, he says, you know, I, I am, I am the good shepherd. Why did he say great shepherd? Because, you know, Jesus is so humble, too. But I am the good, the good shepherd. What is it that makes Jesus the good shepherd? Or now, even in Hebrews, when they're like, no, he's actually the great shepherd, the greater than any other shepherd. What is it that makes him that way? What qualities does Jesus demonstrate to the church that we should say, yeah, yeah, I think he's, he really is the, the great shepherd and worthy of my submission? and worthy of my listening to him, worthy of my surrender to him daily. I'm going to give you four ways that Jesus really is the great shepherd, and it begins with this. He calls us. He calls us. Jesus looked at the people gathered. He was like, oh, I have compassion on them because they're like sheep, you know, without a shepherd. No one's there. They don't belong to anyone. They don't care. No one's caring for them. No one's in charge of them. I didn't just say, well, good luck. No, he ended up calling to them. Same passage, he says, you know, my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. 
And if you read that passage further, he says, and I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will ever snatch them out of my hand. When my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. What makes Jesus a great shepherd? He calls to us. He calls to us. Sheep, you, come, come to me. He knows us and he desires for us to hear him and to follow. But are we listening? Are we listening? Do we hear him? Sometimes he speaks during times of peace and quiet. Often he speaks during trial and struggle. You know, I'll be honest. I, I gave my life to Christ when I was on, on my 30th birthday. I'd lived a lot of life before then. But I can tell you many, many times that I heard him calling to me. As a young kid, longing for a dad, didn't have one. Like, you out there anywhere? Or when I was in trouble, I remember needing to pass a test in high school. I was like, God, if you're out there anywhere, you call, you know, help. When I got into harder times, if you're out there, are you calling me? And then I remember as I was approaching that decision, to, I, it's like I could hear him calling me, like personally. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Have you ever heard the voice of God calling you? Are you listening? There's a lot of distractions these days. A lot of distractions these days. I feel sometimes, too, for, for people that, you know, we grow up in the church. Because all of this stuff, all of this and that and, and those things, they're wonderful. All of this. Like, it's intended to, to be like a speaker, an amplifier, to radiate that call out. But sometimes we can be distracted by these things. We can be distracted by the things of the church that we don't hear necessarily. We don't tune to that personal call that Jesus is calling our name and wanting us to become one of his followers. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. They follow me. My wife and I were just talking about uh, sheep this week because when she was growing up, her grandpa had a little farm tiniest little town I've ever been in. Uh, we went when he had passed. Um, it was on the Illinois-Iowa uh, border, which is just a place. It's a place. And uh, they had sheep on his property. And as little kids, they would go out, and, and he had this ability to, you know, a sheep would be in the pasture, and he would just, with one word, say, sheep. And they would all pop their heads up from the grass and start walking in obediently into the stable. And she said it was a lot of fun when she was a kid to stand out, you know, when the, the sheep are out in the field and to try to pretend they were him. Sheep, sheep, sheep. And try to pretend to be their grandpa's voice. Now, most of us are probably think we're pretty good at mimicking our grandparents or our parents' voices, right? They would try a lot, like sheep, 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 and the sheep wouldn't move. Until finally, grandpa would come out and just with that casual word, sheep, they would instinctively look up from their grass and obediently start walking back into the shelter. There's lots of competing voices out there, lots of things that might call you to trust or to be shepherded by. My sheep, it says, hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Jesus calls 
to his sheep. They hear him and they obey. That's why he's the great shepherd. Second thing is he provides, he cares, he feeds us. You know, if an animal is put in your charge, you, you need to make sure it's healthy and it's provided for. And one of the ways you do that is by, by eating right. You know, again, I don't own a dog, but I know there's lots of, you know, real special dog foods now that, you know, you, you, some of us probably invest in because we want to make sure the animals in our care are fed properly, right? Same with Jesus. Do you remember when Peter had denied him and then after Jesus was raised, he was really embarrassed about that? They were sitting at a campfire and Peter came to him and was like, Lord, I'm really sorry about that. I, I just, sorry. What did Jesus tell him to do? Feed my sheep. I know, Jesus, but I'm really, really sorry. I denied you. I'm sorry. Love my lambs. But you don't understand, Lord, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Feed my sheep. Isn't that cool that one of the things that Jesus is so concerned about is that his sheep would be nourished and fed properly? What does he want us to feast on? The Word of God. What does he want us to be nourished by? The living water of the Holy Spirit. I don't know a lot about sheep. One thing I do know is they're constantly hungry. You put sheep in a pasture, they will eat, and they'll keep eating, and they'll eat. Isn't it amazing, by the way, what God does with grass and, like, water and, like, sunshine, all these different animals that just live on basic grass and water? Um, and yet there's such a diversity of them. They're nourished by that. That's all they crave, and he wants us to be like that. He wants us to be hungry for his word, to live on his word not just by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God's mouth. I remember after I gave my life to Christ, I was very fresh in the church, and uh, some men would come around me, and they'd say, hey, oh, you made this decision to follow Christ. That's good. Buddy, you got to read your Bible. you got to read your Bible. I'm like, what? What do you mean? No, you got to read your Bible. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, cool, thanks. And then next week I'd show up to church and be like, dude, you read your Bible yet? Like, what's the deal with the reading of the Bible thing? Why is everybody so excited about that? Oh, I get it, right? When you start feasting on God's word, it feeds your heart. It nurtures that gift of faith you have. And it helps us to thrive, to flourish, as we were saying earlier, on him. God wants us to flourish in a healthy way by feasting on his word. Again, the desire here is for transformation. The desire here is for holiness, that we would be different than the world, set apart from the world, that we would indeed be a people of the book and that we would let God's word be the perfect rule. We'd meditate on it daily. We would teach it and encourage it to our children. That we would feast on the word heartily as part of our daily diet. That's what keeps us healthy as sheep, feasting on the word and praying in the water of the Holy Spirit. Holiness, by the way, is an instantaneous perfection. It's not that, that we can walk around bragging like, oh, see? It's not a, never about that. It's not about instantaneous perfection, but it is a striving to be set apart. It's a striving to not look like everyone else around us that doesn't know the Lord. It's a striving to put down habitual sin, to reject it, as Lars masterfully called us on last week, and to pursue holiness. What is something or somewhere that you think of if I say, what do you hold as holy? 
you have anything in your life or in, in the world or space, person, thing, land, where you think, oh, that's, that's holy? Maybe it is like a land. Maybe it is a thing. Maybe it's, you know, a, a person you knew that you, especially a, a, you know, maybe a righteous person or something like that. Or maybe it's this place or these, some of these things. That's good. But do you know that when God looks at you, he wants to see the same thing? We think things are holy because we think God is there in a special way, in a different way. We think those things are probably clean. They're not, you know, being used for other gross purposes. That's how God wants to see you. Holy, set apart, filled with him, radiating with him, cleaned, used for his purpose. He wants to feed us by his word. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's why he's the great shepherd. Number three is that Jesus, he wants us to, he wants us to be uh, perfect. People of the word. Sorry, got that slide. Number three is he protects us. He protects us, and when we get lost, which is going to happen because, you know, we're sheep, he rescues us. Go back to that familiar passage in Psalm 23 that Joy prayed through this morning. Even though I walk through the darkest of valleys, I fear no evil. God, you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See, the rod and staff, the reason the psalmist feels comfort from them, it's kind of weird because the rod and the staff are, are their corrective tools for nudging sheep around, often not kindly, and for protection against maybe a wolf or any other animal that might come to attack a sheep. So this rod and the staff are both for guiding, poking, nudging, to make sure they stay on the right path and in the right land, and also for protection. So God protects and he even rescues us. There's so many other voices out there that compete for our attention, our time, and our obedience. But God's word is there and his spirit is there to protect us and rescue us. But I feel like less and less in our culture, again, we're so independently minded that we are more likely to reject rather than receive correction or even redirection. I know I for sure can often feel like a stubborn goat than I can like a tender, obedient sheep. And Jesus himself warned that there are thieves and robbers. Thieves come in to steal. Robbers wait out in the wilderness to attack. And Jesus said there are thieves and robbers. But here's the great thing that really makes them a great shepherd, that even when we're lost, even when we're harassed, even when we've been taken, he will always come to find us. Even if that means having to leave the 99, he will always come to rescue us and protect us. We fear no evil. He is always with us. His rod and his staff, they comfort us. No matter if you're stuck somewhere, or maybe you're like this sheep here, which got rescued uh, somewhere recently. <coughs> Poor sheep, she got stuck. Shepherd boy pulls him out. He's safe now, happy to go. Here he goes, off he goes. And right back in. Stuck again.
you hear, you hear a little bit of laughter in the background there. Here's the funniest thing I think that we ignore a little bit when Jesus said they're like sheep. Sheep aren't that bright. And he knows it. We're not that bright. Which gets me to a final point of why Jesus is the great shepherd. Because he loves us. He loves us. He's not doing it out of duty. He's not doing it because he has to. Jesus is the great shepherd and he wants to be your great shepherd because he loves you. He has compassion for you. He wants to know you. He wants to nurture you. He wants to care for you. Greater than any shepherd has ever done or greater than any dog owner has ever loved their little precious dog. He loves you more than that. So much. How? That he laid his life down for you. I love what Isaiah 53 says. We're all like sheep. We've all gone astray. We've all turned our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, all the iniquity, all the sin of all of us. And by his blood, it says we are saved, we are set free, and we are made holy. Even when we do it again and again and again. He never gives up on us because he loves us so much. Friends, have you heard, have you heard his voice calling you? Have you been hearing that? How have you responded? You ever hear him in the, in the quiet of the night or in the quiet moments when you're not distracted by something? Do you hear him calling to your heart saying, come, be mine? Have you turned back and said, I'm here, Lord? I hear you. And start walking towards him. He'll meet you. He'll meet you in the middle. Here I am, Lord. I'm yours. Have you tuned your heart to obey his commands, his will, his way? Have you tuned your heart to be his sheep? Are you feeding daily on his word, even a little, even a little? Are you finding life in his word and by his spirit? If you feel like you're lost or stuck, have you sought his protection? Have you welcomed his correction? Have you ever received of that great gift of love to let him put you on his shoulder and carry you home? Is there someone in your life right now that you sense as a lost sheep that you just want God's mercy for it. God, will you go rescue that person? He'll hear that prayer too. Do you see yourself as having been made complete or whole or holy? Or do you really don't feel like it today? Here's the thing about sheep. They really look great from a distance, but when you get close, they're pretty gross. It's like that with us too. We keep distant. We look pretty good. But Jesus wants to draw close to our hearts no matter how dirty, how soiled, how gross we feel, he still loves us. He wants to wash us by his blood, to present us faultless before his throne. And all we have to do is say yes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this story. We thank you for this blessing. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to be the great shepherd of the sheep, that you call to our hearts individually and you want us to respond by picking our head up from the world and obediently following you into your shelter, that you'd wash us by your blood, 
Feed us and nurture us by your word and spirit. And give us purpose and peace. Father, we do pray too for those lost sheep in our hearts and lives that seem to have left the fold, seem to be outside the compound. God, would you move towards them with your grace? We ask you, Lord, until that great and wonderful day when there's peace throughout all the earth, continue to keep us in your care. We pray in Jesus' name, the great shepherd. Amen.